This episode requires us to share some important information. Earning statement, senior directors and above earn annual income achieved by fewer than 1% of Color Street independent stylists. Their earnings are extraordinary and not typical. As with most opportunities, you can find exceptional individuals performing well above average, while others perform below average and perhaps make no money at all. The earnings of an independent stylist are based solely on the successful sale of products to consumers in accordance with Color Street compensation plan. Independent stylists will incur expenses in operating their Color Street business, such as the initial business kit purchase, e-suite subscription, product purchases, and annual renewal fee, if any. With Color Street, you have an opportunity to earn income, but it takes hard work to make substantial income in this business. An independent stylist's success depends largely on their personal commitment, hard work, business skills, and market condition. An independent stylist's income is not representative of results, and Color Street does not guarantee any income or rank success. For the average annual income for the Color Street independent stylist, please see the full Color Street income disclosure statement at www.colorstreet.com backslash income disclosure. Welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family. What's up, team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Are you back for part two? And you're wondering, if you're watching the video, why in the hell do I have nails, like painted nails? And I mean, gotta be honest, these are American flags and glitter. I am really comfortable with my my masculinity. I personally don't wear (laughs) nails, but if you're that person uh, uh, who enjoys wearing nails, kudos to you. This may be the right fit for you. But this is a fun conversation piece. I have Ashley South, CEO of Ashley'sNailAddiction.com. She is a national executive director with Color Street. She is the top one-tenth of 1% of the entire organization. She's completely crushing her goals. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go back and listen to the episode because we talk all about sales and how a government employee made the transition from the quote-unquote real-world traditional job to being a independent, own business, commission only, eat what you kill, badass. Welcome back, Ash. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's jump into this. So last episode, we talked sales mm-hmm. and we talked tons about the sales and the transitions you made and the things you did. One of the things that we didn't talk about on the last show, and we'll, well, I guess it'll be a great place to pick up. You said you hate motivation. Oh, I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, there's times where people are like, Anthony, you're a motivational speaker. So I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> <laughs> this is like, whoa, dagger here. Sorry. And you're not thick skin. Help me, help me understand. What is it about motivation that you hate? You said you, you don't believe it's real. I just think that it's, um, it's misleading. Okay. I think that people have like this image in their head. And you are a very motivational speaker. I Thank will you. say. Appreciate yes. it. Um, But I think that people think that they have to feel motivated at all times in order to achieve their goals or in order Mm. to show up to achieve their goals. And I know you know, because you've been in the trenches, which is why I love coming on here. You have all this experience. Um, You are not always motivated. Like a majority of the time, I am not always motivated to do my job. It is not always rainbows and unicorns. And it is not always fun. And I don't always feel like working. Believe it or not, like I don't always feel like working but you make the decision. It's a decision just like, I'm going to be a good parent. I'm going to be a, a good wife. 
I make the decision to run a business and I show up whether I feel motivated or not. And I'm sure you're a coach. So what are those excuses that you hear about motivation? I'm sure you hear them too. Oh, I hear them all the time. Uh, The comp plan sucks. I'm not making money. I'm (laughs) tired. Other companies are paying more money. My wife or husband don't like this. I'm working a lot of hours. People don't want to buy people. I mean, you hear that shit all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I think they're looking for like some external motivator to like fire them up when really you just have to make a commitment to yourself and be consistent. Just show up, just keep the doors open. Uh, And I'm an online company, but I tell my people like, you have to, if you're a a tire shop or, or whatever else, in order to make a profit, you would have to have your doors open. You'd have to show up when you're sick. You'd have, somebody have to open those doors. You'd have to show up when you don't feel like it. You'd have to show up when it's your birthday. You have to show up and keep those doors open. So even when you're not motivated. I love that. I mean, the fact that you can share and you're not always motivated. No, I'm not. I, and fun fact, I'm not always motivated. Right. It, there's a lot of times where I'm unmotivated. But I, I guess I understand where that motivation. People want to feel motivated all the time. But motivation without execution is just waste, like point blank. If you have to get motivated every day and you don't execute on that motivation, it's a waste of space. I was really fortunate enough to hear Jim Rohn speak. And this is nearly 20 years ago. I mean, this is a guy that like kickstarted Tony Robbins and kickstarted a lot of people. And he, I'll never forget. He was like, there's, there's motivation, there's education, there's all kinds of different things. Motivation enough isn't successful. And what he says is if I have a dummy who's on my team and I don't educate my dummy on my team, how to be successful, but I motivate him and I motivate the hell out of him. What do I have at the end? He's like a motivated dummy. Mm-hmm. So we don't want motivated dummies. You mm-hmm. want to take that step, that step to be educated. You want to take that step to execute. You want to stay, take that step to step out of your comfort zone. I, as, I, as I say, I still look at my nails. They're which fabulous, are, which by Which I way. think are amazing, are. right? 100%. <laughs> so let's talk leadership and sales. There is a stigma, right? There are not even a stigma. There is a calling. When people are successful in sales, they naturally make this transition to leadership. In direct sales, I mean, that's where that's where money's made when you can lead. In corporate America, when you make that transition from an individual contributor to a team leader, and you're responsible now for other people making money, it's a different level of responsibility. So let's start there. Do you believe, because you're a leader now, correct? I am, yes. Yeah, right? You have 1,600 people. How many leaders have you developed? Well over 40, I would say. I mean... Yeah, into leadership positions, probably well over 40. Okay, so you've developed 40 people into leadership positions. How long has it been that you've been with Color Street? Oh, 20 months, I think. 20 months. So in less than two years, you developed 40 people to a position of leadership. I mean, that's two per month that you're averaging right now, right? In the people that you've developed into these positions of leadership, are leaders natural-born leaders? Ooh. Is that such a thing? The question. The question. I know you've talked about this on your podcast before because I'm, I'm a fan and I watch. Um, I think that it's both. Okay. I think that it's both. I think that there are people that are just natural born leaders. Um, it sounds like your daughter is one of them. She's disciplined. You know, she's strong willed. She's got like this drive for life. I was one of those little girls constantly bossing people around, constantly asking my parents why, constantly wanting to do my own thing. Um, and I, I would say that I have natural leadership ability, but there are leaders on my team that with the right development and skills and steps and processes and nurturing, they may not see themselves as a leader yet, but they have it in them. And they may not identify with the fact that like just being a parent is being a leader. Like you are a leader in your home. You're a leader in your church group. Like people don't see themselves like I'm not leadership quality. You're doing it like you're doing it right now. And so I think that it's both. And I think that if you only think that leaders are born, you're missing out on this whole pocket full of people that have such great potential 
just because they're not like your typical type A personality. Mm. Yeah, I, you you hear it and you look at leaders and, and, and being a leader in your own home. I mean, we experienced our first leadership role from a very young age. I mean, pre, pre-teen, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, I love watching a group of kids get together for a sporting activity, classroom project. Someone always naturally steps up to mm-hmm. become a leader. That person, yeah, that's that natural born leader. That's like, oh, you're there. Still a skill you have to coach. You have mm-hmm. still a skill you can develop. But I've also seen leaders incredibly successful that never wanted that role, that don't want to be the leader, that would prefer to yep. be out of the spotlight. Do you have any of those on your team? Can I tell you a story? Oh, please. It's actually the person that introduced me to you. Her name is Charlotte. Okay. Um, I did not personally enroll her, but I saw her on my team and she just worked so hard. You know, like the hard workers and they just catch your eye and yeah. you want to build a relationship with them. Well, Charlotte is is the exact opposite of me. Very soft-spoken, very, very kind and loving, mm-hmm. very warm and empathetic. So with, you are not warm and empathetic <laughs> or kind I, and know, loving. I've been told I'm not <laughs> at times. <laughs> know, know your strengths and your weaknesses. Anyways, um, she is just a lovely human. She's, But she was timid and she was demure, but a hard worker. And so I scooped her up for a three-month mentor. I asked her if she'd be willing to be open to pushing outside of her comfort zones and trying things with me. And she was all about that life. And she tried and did things that were not her normal routine. And she has built, she is my fastest growing leader. Like she gives me goosebumps. Um, she was at that women in business conference that you were speaking mm-hmm. at. Um, she got your book. She read it. She gave it to me. She's just a go-getter. And she wouldn't be somebody where if you're like, who's your strongest leader on your team? When she first started, she probably didn't think of herself as like this balls to the wall, grinding leader, like everyone being like, what is she doing? And at, at this day, she is in her own way, in her own kind, soft-spoken way. She's killing it as a leader. And I love talking about her because she's like, she's not what you would think of as like the type A, like bossy leader. And she's killing the game. You know, there, that's one kudos to you because in order to identify talented people, that's a skill set. In, in corporate America, in the corporate sales structure of B2B people, I sat with sales managers and sales leaders, and I, I asked them some trick questions. I say, what's the number one job of a sales leader? And everyone's like, oh, to hit quota, uh, hit revenue, hit budget, make commission, blah, 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 all this other crap. It's all false. Like, that's that's a given. Like, the, you, that's your expectation. The number one job when you become a sales leader in corporate America is to recruit and retain top talent. When you are in the direct sales industry and you are in a commission-only structure and your livelihood of your business grows by the leaders you develop, that really becomes your job. So now you're no longer just selling nails. You're selling the vision. You're selling the dream. Not only are you selling it, you're executing from it. From what I'm hearing with the the strides and growth you've made with Charlotte, it's not just a pipe dream. You're actually delivering to her. So Kudos to you to, to recognize and retain that talent. So there's somebody on this show or someone listening to this show right now that's in your organization that maybe doesn't have that relationship with you. How does that person stand out to you? Um, well, I look for certain characteristics. Um, you know, there are a lot of people on my team and I'm sure that all of them would like to work with me, but I'm looking for people that are team players. Like, are they posting good, con- are they helping each other out? Are they active? Are they trying? Um, I'm looking for people that want to learn the business first. Like I didn't get to where I'm at just because I was like, ooh, I'm a leader, recognize me. Like you got to walk the walk and talk the talk. And so I'm looking for people that are selling, that are consistent, that are at least attempting to enroll, trying to talk about the business um, and that are really just engaging in our team culture. So I'm looking for a good vibe. Maybe not my top sellers. 
the top sellers are not always the best leaders. Like, mm-hmm. and I had to learn that in a very painful way. But your top sellers are not your best leaders. I'm looking for people that are taking care of other people and are showing up every day. That's that's so true in so many aspects. Um, you know, I, I've sat in executive meetings where we talk about do we promote high performing sales professionals to leadership positions they're not ready for? I'm a big believer in no. They actually they they do more harm yeah. to themselves. They yeah. do more harm to the company. They do more harm to the to the team and to the culture. You talked about culture right now. You said you were looking for someone that fits into that culture. What is that culture that you're building on your team? And follow up to that. Once it's built, how do you nourish it and keep it growing? Gosh, culture is so important. I'm sure we've all been at a job where you go there and you're like, oh my God, this is awful. Like the culture's bad, morale is bad. And like, you just don't want to be there. People don't want to stay at jobs that they don't like, where they're not happy, where they're not having fun. And so I feel like this is something that I had to educate myself on with with having a large team, but especially I've, I've never worked with with mostly women. I've never had a team dynamic of a lot of women. I've always worked with mostly men. And so I really had to, there's some amazing books, um, The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle I've read. And they really discuss in length, like these big successful companies like Google and like teams that are high function, like the Navy SEALs and stuff. What they do is they have their own pact. They have their own, a feeling where it's just theirs. And so we have really worked hard on our team to make it not just a place that sells nails. Like and it's not just like a sisterhood. Like we're not just like, oh, it's my sister. But like we have um, a virtual book club. A gal, I'm a leader on my team. Her name is Kayla. She created a virtual book club where we cover catapulting commissions and other books, you know, like leadership books and things like that. Um, we have events. We do fundraisers now where we can give back to our community because it kind of has to be about more than just making money. And we have get-togethers. We do virtual parties. We do girls bingo night for people that are out of town all over the country. And so we have to really create a connection there because that's when people want to, to work with each other. Yeah, the, that culture that you create, there's a saying, right? People will quit a job or a company really fast. They'll quit a friendship really slow. It's really hard to walk away from a culture that you want to be a part of. And when that culture exists, it's so attractive for people. They, they want to join that culture. I mean, if you go all the way back to some of the direct sales, like like original companies, I'm going back like Mary Kay, Amway, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Kirby Vacuums. I mean, they would have these massive sales meetings, Primerica, where people show up, they're completely motivated. There's somebody on stage completely geeked out. Everyone's fired up. They want to be around it. It's contagious. That culture that people create, there's still some value. And I, and, and like I said, you know, I, I, Jose and Marissa Cho, one of the number one downloaded show on, on Catapulted Commissions of 2020. I watch videos of their sales meetings. It's, it's all culture. People are jumped in high five. COVID forced people to get creative because you had to take that yes. from showing up and rah-rah to delivering it. So how did you, I mean, you got the book club. Was that, a, was that a challenge for you? I mean, you've been in the business 20 months, so I don't know exactly when you got this role of leadership and being responsible for this group of people. You mentioned you do some fundraising, some live events, and then you mentioned like book clubs and virtual book clubs. Was there a struggle with trying to keep that culture across both the in-person and non-in-person events? Oh, yeah. It, it is still something that I try to balance and try to work on loving on people, um, making people feel valued and hurt. And people do need to have, they need to have autonomy and they need to have a voice and they need to feel valued. And so, yeah, that's a, that's definitely a struggle. And at first, when I joined the business, it was just about making money, making money, making money, making money. But it's really hard to get people on your boat and it's really hard to get people to want to work hard for you if they don't feel loved and they don't feel like they're a part of something. So I 
spend a large majority of my time just thinking about how do I make our team stand out from other teams? What is so amazing? Our team name is called the Boss Nail Babes. We have our own Instagram account. Um, we have our own videos. Um, we let stylists share their stories and talk about their families. And we highlight all the work that they do. And so I, I think any leader in sales really needs to highlight like their people. They need to make them feel like they're a part of something, whatever that something is. Yeah, get together, create fun. People want to stick around. Right. I mean, That's it's, why people join gangs. I mean, it's the truth. It is. They I, want. We're kind of like a nail gang. <laughs> Boss nail gang. <laughs> Boss nail gang Bakersfield. I love it. <laughs> that is that. That is that is one of the toughest gangs out there because you are empowering people to think bigger than what they thought about themselves. And if you really think about it, you go on that gang culture. That's all that does as yep. well. They empower them to think they're bigger than they can be at that point in time. And some of them eventually get there. In 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 corporate America and business America and sales America, all we're doing is empowering you to believe in yourself to get something out of your life that you can't quite see for yourself. So I love hearing that story of that culture that you've created. Now, when you're building culture, it's fun, it's exciting, success. There's the opposite side of that. There's failure. There's failure that takes place in every business and every sales company. And there's failure. As we're speaking right now, somebody in your organization had a failing moment this morning, last night, within the last 24 hours. Where do you see people who fail struggle? Like they fail. They're down in the dumps. They're ready to call it quits. Like what turns that failure to a permanent failure to that was just a, a bump in the road. Oh, gosh. I'm sure you you come across this too. Um, failure is a big one. Like I think since we're tiny little tots, we're taught that failing is bad and winning is good. And if you fail, you suck. And if you fail, you suck. Like if you get a D on a report card, you failed. You're bad. You're getting spanked. If you do this, you fail. You, you know, that's bad. But, you know, like if you're a business owner, you have got to fail and fail. And fail. like it's a part of the job until you get it right. And I think that it's, it takes a mindset shift and working with leadership again, it's, I think that business is all mindset. Like you've got to wake up and be like, I'm okay. Like, how do I prepare for failure? What do I do if it fails? What's my plan B? What's my plan C? What's my whatever? And how do I talk myself into coming to work again tomorrow if it fails? And a lot of people want to give up on that first fail. They get in their head and it's boohoo. Like, oh, I'm a victim. Oh, I suck. But I just, failing is just learning in business. Maybe if you fail on a report card in third grade, you're going to get spanked. But in business, it's just learning. And I think that the more people are willing to fail and the higher tolerance they have for failure, the more successful they are. And so on our team, we make almost a game of failing. It's like, how many no's did you get today? I'm sure the go for no concept is, is not new, but we also share our failures. Like, Hey, I did this today. It didn't work out. This is how I'm overcoming it. Hey, I did this today. I went, I talked to this person. She said, no, this is my approach next time. And so we openly talk about failures and make it not this like taboo topic. Yeah, embrace it. Embrace the suck. Like you have to get there. I, I look at the failures and, and, I, and I share this, right? I have been launching a podcast episode every week. I do a video blog every week. I have some episodes or some video blogs or video counts that have 20,000 likes. I have some that have 10. Lately, I can't get anybody. It's, I don't know, right? The only reason it'll fail is if I stop. Right. And that's all I keep telling myself. And I look at it and, and I'm a big Gary V fan. I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Sometimes some of the stuff he says, I'm like, ah, I don't completely agree with. But what I love about it is his story. The guy did wine library on YouTube with really nobody watching and like, you know, he had a small following and he got bigger and bigger and bigger. That's the definition of I'm not going to fail. I'm going to keep going. That applies in business like 100%. 
I tell people, if you're experiencing failure now, that's great. Because that means you are about to get it out of the way. And nobody's successful without failing. Like we just, we, we all fail. We've all sucked. You heard it. I mean, even in the last episode, we talked about my first business. Yeah. I failed. It's a part of life. So to hear you say that, that's really enlightening. Now, now, Ashley, I know we talked and you said there was a couple of questions that you wanted to, to ask me and, and ensure that we can provide value. And I want to ensure that your color your audience gets what they're getting from this show. My Catapult and Commissions family is loving the value we're hearing here. I think we've talked tons of failure. We've talked tons of growth opportunities. What can I answer for you? Well, I know we talked about this a little bit, but I would like to revisit it because I've had some time to think on okay. it. I know that I asked you like, hey, I'm at this point in my career where I've like, I'm hitting the top 0.01%. And my goal of, you know, being home with my kids and you know, paying off all of our debt and, you know, doing A, B, C, and D. I've met those goals. How do you redefine goals? Like what, because I know that you're a goal, you're mm -hmm. all about the goals and I love the goals in your book. Um, how do you help people redefine goals? Oh, that's a really good one. Uh, you know, I, I, I look at that, you're not alone. And there was a, I had a great conversation with a mentor of mine, a couple of his sales reps on his team and, and we're clearing six, $700,000 a year income, year in, year out. And he's like, Anthony, I'm running out of motivation for these guys. Like I can't, can't motivate them, Right. And I'm a big believer. And I ask a question every time I interview somebody, every time I interview somebody, are you motivated by money? Or are you motivated by recognition? Anyone who says they're motivated by money only when they get enough money, they're no longer motivated because it, success happens, right? I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about college. I don't have to worry about this. All of that comes in. So if the question is, is how do I reframe that goal? How do I look at it differently? The goal has to get bigger the goal has to get scarier. And that's it. You get to a certain point where you look at the goals, you're like, okay, how do I make this goal bigger? How do I make this goal scarier? And it's not always monetary, right? It's not, it's not always monetary. Have some people count on you. So I would say, okay, if, if I want my goal to get bigger, I need people to be counting on me. Simplest, if, I, if I'm just brainstorming off the top of my head, if you're experiencing that level of success, adopt a family for Christmas. Accountability. Yep. Adopt five families for Christmas. If you're experiencing that level of stuff, get involved in the nonprofit. You said you're giving back. Then I look at it, Ashley, and I would say, okay, legacy. Let's talk legacy. Mm. There's wealth. There's generational wealth. There's generational legacy. And if you're experiencing that level of success, how do you experience that generational legacy? Because it's really easy to pass money down, right? You make right. some money, save some money, put right. some assets, have a corporation, boom, kids, you're good. But what about their grandkids and their grandkids? Can you be the person that creates that generational legacy? And the answer is you can. It's just really hard. And a lot of people give up before they get there because of the failures, because it doesn't happen overnight. Look, I got to be honest with you. If tomorrow, all of a sudden, my home popped up with an oil well that shot off a bunch of almonds left and right, and I never had to do anything and just collect mailbox money. Yeah, that's generational. That's fun. But if I'm building it from my scratch and I'm building it on my own, and I'm putting systems in place and investments in place, there's some value in that. So I would challenge you, if you're at that plateau of your goals, let's think bigger. And if you go off the goal setting, I talk about in Catapulting Commission, there's things as smarter goals. Smart goals are great, but those alone are dumb. E in the smarter goal setting is emotional. R is rewarding. If your goal isn't emotionally scaring you, isn't rewardingly scaring you, like if you aren't afraid of that goal, it's not big enough. So to get there, Ashley, I would say, Let's think a little bit bigger. Let's go with generational legacy and let's get some of that accountability. As you like to say, mm -hmm. I like to say, have people relying on your success. Yep. Oh, your goals will get bigger. It's, it's the equivalent to saying, 
let's just shrink it down a little bit. Your kids rely on you to feed them, correct? Mm-hmm. You're always going to work your ass off to feed your kids. Adopt 100 kids. Holy shit, I got to work harder. Same concept. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. I like that. And, and like thinking of generational wealth for like a broke single mom for 14 years, like that is a concept that's hard to wrap my mind around. I bet. It's scary, but like that's what it should be, really. It, my goal should be scary. 100%. I love it. The fact you just said it's scary, that's, what, that's, that's how catapulting commissions started. That's the whole concept and the premise of what I teach. If it doesn't scare you, you're not going to do it. Right. You're not going to grow. You're not. You're not. 100%. And when you look at generation, I am just like you. When I look at generational wealth, I, I don't know what that is. I didn't come from it. I, I didn't have a general. I mean, I remember being in college and having $6 in my checking account and I needed to eat food and hoping my debit card wouldn't have a little, there was no little mm-hmm. bonus fee on my debit mm-hmm. card. Couldn't call mom because mom didn't have money. And I was like, shit, I don't, I, this is supposed to last me for two weeks. What am I going to eat? I remember those days. Yeah. I never want my kids to experience those days. They're, the matter of fact, they're not going to experience those days, but I don't want my grandkids or my great grandkids. Like, I want to create that, not by giving it to people. And I'm like, oh, hey, here's all this. But here's the business. Here's the opportunity. Here's the how. Not, not the fruits of, the, of your labor. That'll be there, right, to take care of necessities and give that. But I want you to grow out on your own. I mean, I, I just had a conversation with my stepdaughter earlier today. I said, look, I found on eBay right now, 100%. There are people selling Mexican candies. You know all the Mexican candies you get? They're putting like 20 pieces of Mexican candy in a little box, calling it Mexican candies for sale. $18.99. Selling on eBay. $3.99 shipping. So for $22, I'm like, that is less than $4 of candy. Take a box, cellophane wrap. That's a $6 product. That's a, that's a significant market. Showed it to her. I'm like, what are your thoughts of this? She's like, I'll do it. I'm like, 100%. We're going to Cabo San Lucas next week. I'm like, let's go buy candy. Let's go buy a bunch of candies. Buy $200 worth of candy. Bring it back. Let's turn to two to six. Mindset. So that's that generational. Yeah. Speaking of generation, mm-hmm. sorry, I'm just taking over your podcast. No worries. Please right. do. We have time. All right. So I have a team and obviously um, I'm a number one enroller in my company and I have a lot of different people from walks of life that enroll with me. And I kind of have a niche. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking for people with a little bit of grit, maybe some mess ups in life. Like I like people that have been through the trenches because yeah. they are willing to work through some failure and some problems. Do you find that like, you know, what the legacy we're leaving for our kids, they're not going to have that $6 in their debit Mm. account feeling. So do you find that younger generations coming into sales don't work as hard? And, and how do you combat that? Do you, how do you identify it? Oh, that's a really good question. And I'll share that with you. That's a challenge for people all the time. Matter of fact, for my group of colleagues that run in my professional circle that I know make, let's say they they qualify in the top 2% of income earners. In the U.S., we've had that conversation. We're like, okay, what are our kids going to be like? What are our grandkids going to be like? I look at it now in people that I hire and manage. I like you. I love the story. I love the struggle. One of the one of the top reps that I work with that that has worked with me in my organization, single mom and two kids. I hired her with two kids under two. I think there were. I, I think there was one was maybe a month half. The other one was like fourteen months. I mean, they were really close. 
And she was told, like, I'm not the right fit. I'm like, holy shit. Yes, you are. You know what? You, you, you can't afford to fail. And she's right. top performer, kicking ass. Amazing. But then I have other people that I've worked with that have come from that level of success, that had money, that had parents that set up um, retirement plans, college plans. You know, they don't have to work. And when I get those people in my organization, I have a point blank conversation. It's all goal driven. What is that goal for you in life? And if that goal in life isn't scary, then I won't work with that person. But if that goal in life is scary, then I'll bring them on. So that's how I hire and retain people. And if the question is, is, is how do you get someone to get off that generational wealth? It really becomes you have to create this independently on your own. And, and I have told, you know, I, I'm. I've listened to Dave Ramsey. You've listened to Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. before, right? I listened to Dave Ramsey for years. I, I love some things he says. I completely dislike some things he says. But one of the things that he has shared that I think there's so much value in is he offers his kids when they were in college, if you save a certain amount of money, I'll match it for you, right? I have a 20-year-old stepson at home, been in his life since he was 14. So we've grown together. Same deal offered him. Save a certain amount of money, I'll match it 100%. Before you graduate, you come to me and say, this is what I saved, and this is what I'll match. The other day, I did a temperature check, where he was at versus where he wants to be. He's not where he wants to be right now. And I look at him, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm just letting you know, right? The bill, you graduate, that bill, that, that float ends. You have an opportunity to get 100% return on your money. It's not because I want to give you the money. It's I want to teach you something that you're going to take with you. So it's a struggle. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. But for me, it all goes down to that person's goal. And I have found the people who have had a successful upbringing where they've had success, they continue that level of success when they have a goal that's bigger than themselves. They have a goal that's bigger than the family. They have a goal that scares the crap out of them. If they don't have that goal, that internal motivation to get what they want, because mommy and daddy always pay for them, it's a tough conversation. And, and it, it, 100%. The beautiful thing about doing what we do, we get to choose who we work with. Yep. So, uh, you know, I would say this. Anybody who's worked with me who's come from a, a privileged lifestyle, we've, we've had some heart-to-hearts. And I don't ever be like, oh, you come from a privileged lifestyle. They'll just know by my interview. So talk to me about your goals. What do you want? Where do you want to be? And I'll say this, people are successful. I have somebody in my organization, she is 28, 29, bought her second home. She came from a a very good family. She was very, you know, I wouldn't say she was top one percenter, but she was very comfortable. She's one of the hardest working people I have on my team. Her goals are massive. And I'm like, and I told her, I'm like, holy crap, you're, I'm a butcher age. Let's say 28, 29. I'm like, you're intimidating. She's like, I've gone on dates with guys. I intimidate them. I'm like, well, yeah, dude. Right. Fuck yeah. Good. You're making, you're making almost a quarter million dollars a year. You own two pieces of real estate and they're looking at you. He can't afford you. Yes. I'm like, (laughs) he is terrified. It's not a you problem. It's a him problem. So you find people like that. Yeah, that's true. I I see that in sales too. And um, I feel like some of them you can work through, some of them you can't, Mm -hmm. but it's something you need to identify early and have that conversation with. Definitely. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I, I will tell you this: the reason I'm I'm I press all my kids to work hard, get in a goal, get something uncomfortable, because I want them to experience that failure. I want them to go and be like, "Holy crap, I failed!" Yep. Fundraisers, for example, I hate I I literally hate fundraising. When fundraisers come home and and, and the kids have brought home chocolates and candy bars, I, I look. I'm like, dude, how much do you need? Is, is, you're, what, yeah, yeah. you're trying to fundraise. You need three hundred dollars. Can I give you three hundred bucks and go give the fucking candies to someone else? I don't want to do it. But lately, you look at it and you're like, okay, 
I want you to do it on your own. We all had to do that. Growing up, we had to do it with a little radio flyer wagon. 100%. So now there's some value in that. So I, I do like seeing the kids struggle a little bit. Yeah, no no raising weak-ass kids. No, no, zero, zero weak-ass kids. It's a struggle. Kids. It's yeah. a struggle, though, because you want to give them the world, but you don't want weak-ass kids. No. I, I, my, my girls right now are on iPhone 7 or 8, and they're like, we are the most uncoolest kids in junior high. I'm like, I don't give a shit. You want the iPhone 10, 12, right. 13, or whatever the hell it is coming in? Save some money. Save some allowance. Show me you want it. Or and, keeps talking that smack and you're going to get a flip phone. Yeah. Okay. No, you think uh, you can't go down? You can go down. Yeah, I actually told him, I was like, <laughs> seventh grade. I'm like, I had a beeper, kids. I don't understand. I didn't have a phone. I, <laughs> I had a beeper and I was like, and it got taken away from me if I got in trouble. And it was $8 a month. And my mom made me give her five. Like, this was not a game as a kid. So funny. So, beeper. So pretty much my that. grandma paid for it. That's how I got the five bucks a month. But grandma yeah. spoiled me. Jesus, kids. Okay. So what is your... I'm I'm all about team no excuses. You know that like I'm like no bullshit, no filter. Um, what is your least favorite excuse that you hear from someone when they can't reach their goals? Oh my like least favorite. Jeez. Least favorite when they can't hit their goals. Well, I'll say this. I hear a lot of excuses when people can't hit their goals. My least favorite is when somebody doesn't even try. So it doesn't matter what the excuse is. If you don't try because you believe the excuse, then I'm incredibly pissed off. I'm like, what do you mean? You, di- you didn't even try. You, you, you believe the circumstances. So when, when I hear the excuses, right, there's family, uh, there's I'm stressed out. Um, I, I had personal stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of excuses that come up. And don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big mental health advocate. I even say it in my book that if you have a mental health day, you, you, you might have to have a mental health checkout. I get it. But you also have responsibilities. Right. You have things you have to do. And so when the excuses come to me, it's a skill versus will issue for me. If you have the skill to do the job, if you have the skill to be successful, but the excuses you've told yourself that will, you say, oh, I'm not going to do it. Like, I, I just, I'm just not even going to try because of whatever reason the, the sky is gray today and I like you when it's blue. That shit pisses me off, like 100%. And I tell people in my organization, any one of the companies that I'm involved in, any one of the companies that I own, 100%. If I care more about your success than you do, then I'm not the person for you. Right. Because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold your hand. I'll open the door. I'll show you the way. Hell, I might even push you, but I'm not going to walk you through the door. You have to do it on your own. So it's not so much as what the, the, the excuse of when I heard them all, it's more the reasons behind it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. The excuses are, are hard to work through for me. I mean, just because I don't, I don't see any value in excuses. Okay, like what's our solution? Like how, how are we solution-based? How do we find a solution for it? So I, 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 I struggle in empathy, I think, mm-hmm. you know? We talked about that too, but um, no, that's good to know, actually. I wondered what, what, how you handled excuses when they come through your door. Yeah, I mean, I think here's, here's how you handle excuses, actually. If someone's giving you excuses over and over again, and they're coming to you saying, hey, I'm, you know, I didn't make my social media post because, I don't know, my kids had graduation. Oh, okay. I'll give you an excuse. They used to drive. I don't hear it so much anymore because I don't, I don't have employees that work so much on the weekends. But when it was Mother's Day, Father's Day, those, and I get me, don't get me wrong. I love my mom. I'm a dad. I get it. Mother's Day, Father's Day. I'm not going to do something because it's Father's Day weekend or Mother's Day weekend. And I would have people who, and this was back in selling cuckoo. We would sell cuckoo Friday nights, Saturday morning, Saturday nights. And I would have reps like, I'm not going to sell any cuckoo this weekend because it's Mother's Day weekend. I'm like, okay. So you're not going to sell anything because it's Mother's Day weekend. Nope. Do you sit on a shrine and put your mom on a pedestal and 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 bow to her for for 72 hours? No. 
Okay. Do you do it for 48 hours? No. Mm-hmm. Do you do it for 24 hours? No. What the hell are you doing? Oh, we're going to go to dinner Sunday night. So am I. I'm going to go have dinner with my mom. I'm going to have a barbecue. I'm going to take my mom to brunch. I'm doing the same thing. You're telling me you can't work all weekend because it's this weekend? Get out of here. Right? So when I when I hear those, um, the, the, the excuses that come with that, and you look at it and you're like, if you're just not, you're not willing to put in that work, yeah, it's, it's not for me. Yeah. And it's hard when you're not someone's boss. Like I love in sales. Like if you're, if you're joining like my company, like I ain't nobody's boss. I can't tell you what to do. You have to want it. Oh, that's right. This is where I was going that you do have to want it. I was like, I knew I lost my train of thought right midair. As I was saying, you have to tell people what's going to happen by not doing it. I love this. I love this. You have to tell (laughs) somebody when they come to you with the excuses, Ashley, and they're like, oh, I didn't make the social media post because my kids are graduating. Well, what day do they graduate? They graduate Friday. It's the Friday before. All right. Yeah, we're planning a party. Okay. How many people are coming to the party? 50 people. That's a, that's, that's a good-sized party. All right. How much time do you think it's taking planning? Oh, every day. You're planning this thing every day, all day? I mean, do you have Chef Nobu himself flying in here and catering and then everyone's getting picked up on a Crystal Palace? No, right? You're not. But here's what you tell somebody. You have to tell people the failure they're going to experience by not executing. So as a sales leader, we do this all the time. Especially when you're not someone's boss, this conversation is even more important. I'm in a position where I'm someone's boss. So I tell somebody like, hey, I gotta be honest with you. And I, tell, and I start the conversation the same, like, look, there's no joy in firing anybody. I'm not, and I tell people all the time, I'm like, dude, I know on paper it says I'm your boss. I'm not really your boss. I'm your manager. I'm your mentor. I'm your coach. I'm, I'm your teammate. I'm here to show you what you can yeah. get. At the end of the day, people are like, yeah, you're still my boss. So you, have, you, you, you can make these decisions for me. I choose not to. When I and, and in some of the companies, I have people who are independent contractors who work with the catapulting commission sales agency who do things independently. And I simply say this. If you don't do this, if you don't show up to work, if you whatever the excuse is, let's just Mother's Day weekend. Let's just use it. I'm not going to work because it's Mother's Day weekend. Great. If you don't show up and work on Mother's Day weekend, you are going to miss Thursday because Friday you're going to be, oh, my gosh, Mother's Day weekend. I can't do anything. So you're going to cut out halfway early on Thursday. You're not going to work Friday. You're not going to work Saturday. You're not going to work Sunday. You're going to show up Monday morning tired because it was Mother's Day weekend, and then you're going to have a half-assed day on Monday. So you really just lost five days. You're going to come Tuesday. You're going to have no pipeline. You're going to have no leads. Everybody that you had that was a warm lead the week before has already forgotten about you because their attention span is small. Now you're going to circle back with them and try to sell them something. You now have lost that element of friend, consultant, advisor. You're now a salesperson because now you're engaging a conversation for the sole benefit of myself. You're going to do this. You're going to take the time off. You're going to come to me two months from now and you're going to say, hey, this isn't really working for me. I go get a job at Starbucks. I'm going to go do this because I can't make money here. It's not that you can't make money here. It's you're not showing up right. when you're supposed to. So I would tell you that, Ashley, tell people the failure they're going to happen the next time they give you the excuse. Hey, no problem. I'm not your boss. But I just want you to realize here's what's going to happen. And I would even turn on them like, look, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I wouldn't be a leader if I wasn't going to tell you the failure you're going to happen. Like and tell people and, and for corporate America catapulting commissions family who's listening you you can ask the people who work with me i point blank say hey guys if we're gonna walk off a bridge i'm telling you hey we're walking off a bridge like you you are literally gonna fall off there's no safety net yeah just tell people the failure they're gonna experience by those excuses yeah, they give and you. it connects to that emotions 100 that's where you have to get them 100 yeah good good anything else for me no i don't think so i mean i'm sure i will ask you a bunch after this ends, but no. I'm always picking your brain. Always. Oh, I do. Um, what would you say? And I know that you're always talking about adding value. Like mm. sales is providing value. And I like that. Like to me, sales is a, is a service of, of love. Like mm-hmm. if you can provide something that helps someone or is an answer to their, their problem, 
you're not, you don't have to feel like salesy, but so many people are like, I, I would love to sell, but I hate this. I don't want to feel pushy or salesy. Mm. Isn't that like your biggest pet peeve? And people are like, I would, I could sell, but I don't want to be salesy. Yes. 100%. I hate that whole concept of salesy. It's not my biggest pet peeve. My biggest pet peeve, I'll just say it on air, is when people are like, oh, I can do that. I can do sales. <laughs> you can come spend a day in my shoes. And, and I love it. I mean, I, you know, my brother-in-law is an amazing, he's a steel erector. He works with his hands a lifetime. He's like, Oh, I could do what you can do. I'm like, that's the equivalent to me telling you I can climb up 72 star, 72, uh, stories, stay balanced, be in a harness, not be nervous and tell somebody they're putting something the wrong way. Can't do it. What I do. I know I'm not, you know, it's not the manual labor. It's not different things, but there's a skill set acquired. So that's mm-hmm. my pet peeve. I'm like, Oh, I can do what you can do. Then do it. Every, anybody can go, join a career in sales. But when it comes to people saying, I don't want to be pushy. I don't sales isn't for me. You said it earlier, right? Sales is service is an act of love. I believe that. But to really get someone to understand that concept that I'm not a, a pushy salesperson is trying to have a conversation with you for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. So when someone's like, oh, I don't want to be a pushy salesperson, you're only a pushy salesperson because you're selling something for your own benefit. Like, oh, buy this, I get a commission, I'm happy. It's no longer a pushy process when you're solving a problems for somebody adds value to their life, right? One of the things that I talk about all the time is the psychological reason that someone says yes in sales. People will say yes to your sales offering if you can, one, enhance the quality of their life and give them pleasure. Two, you can help them avoid a pain or a loss. And if your product or service or offering can help that person either experience a pleasure they've never experienced before or avoid a pain or a loss, then you're not Mm -hmm. pushing, you're not selling, you're solving a problem. So much so that I teach small business owners when they come to me like, hey, I need help with my company. I simply say, what's the one problem your company's solving? Like, oh, I, I, I do this, this, and this. All right, that's great. What's the one problem you're going to solve? Like, let's identify the one problem you're going to solve. Let's get really good at solving that one problem because then there's no sales process anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really just solving a problem, right? I'm, I'm going to solve a problem. You're going to like the problem I'm going to solve. You're going to buy a product. You're going to refer me to your friends. And we're going to repeat this process over and over again. 100%. Here's a perfect example of sales. Literally took place in the past two episodes. Problem. I have a 12-year-old and 12-year-old at home. Two girls. We're going to Cabo San Lucas next week for vacation. They love to do nails. They love to do girly things. They love to feel pretty. You just hooked me up with these Color Street nails. I look at it. I'm like, holy crap. These Color Street nails are going to be in 10 times cheaper than the nails they're going to want to get at the spa next week at the resort. Because like, oh, I want these fancy dancing nails. And I'm like, no, you kids play in the sand, you jump in the water, you don't take care of them. Problem. Mm-hmm. If I get these now, you've prevented me from the pain or the loss of spending 60 or $70 for a manicure times two for two little girls. I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't really want this, but I want my nails to look good for yeah. 4th of July. That You literally just made a sale right now without having to sell something because you solved a problem. You didn't even realize it. That's, that's sales 101. Yeah. Let me just solve a problem for you. I think people are selling all the time and they don't even realize that they're selling. It doesn't have to be the hey girl in your inbox, you know? Yeah. yeah. Direct sales people, don't, don't be the hey don't girl. Don't be the hey girl. Don't be the hey girl. Don't That's, do the hey girl. It, we know what you're trying to do. I, I, I we am see you. right through. Okay. If I haven't spoken to you in the last three years <laughs> and then you all of a sudden reach out to me, how's it going? What's new? And then bam, you want to sell me something? We're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really not going to get there. Matter of fact, I'm a big fan. I'm a big advocate of, of social media. If you want me to know what you're doing and you want to know the problem I'm solving, and I'll, I'll share this right now, Catapulting Commissions family, if you're a direct salesperson, and you're like, oh, I'm going to sell something to you, Anthony. 
some of the best people who've reached out to me, who I've done business with in the past for different reasons, have reached out to me on social media and said, hey, I know you're incredibly busy. I just want, if you have an opportunity, watch this quick video. I mean, literally quick, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. I'm not jumping on a five minute, 10 minute Zoom call. I don't want to talk to your upline. Oh, that's my least favorite. If I have to put a fucking email to see it, I'm not doing it. Like you literally need to send me the nuts and bolts. Yeah. And when people do that to me, I, 100%, I had a video graphic designer who was like so adamant and want to get my business. I said, look, dude, you, you, and I told him, like, you emailed me in my inbox 50 freaking times. Send me an example of your work. If I'm interested, I'll reach back out to you. Send me an example of his work. Thought it was pretty decent. Reach back out to him. We haven't finalized the project, but at least he's having the conversation going. Same thing. If you're trying to sell something, hey, here's a quick example. If you want to sell your direct sales company, dude, Record a video of your fun party you can get together. Bam. Hey, check this out. I'm working with this great new company, Color Street. This was tons of fun we had. I don't want, and just tell people, take the takeaway clothes. I don't want to be that creepy person that comes in your inbox trying to sell you shit. Just thought you'd take a look at this. If you ever have any questions, reach out to me. Hope you and the family are well. If you did that, I'd be way more open to oh, talking yeah. with you than the, hey girl, or hey guy in my situation. Or I love gifts. You can gift things out to people. Oh my and goodness. It, well, people, it's a love language. People love gifts. But like, here, try this. Oh no, no, it's on me. Try it. I go to Starbucks all the time. And I'm like, oh, she, you know, here, please. I, at, at the very least, I've made someone's day. I've made her smile, you know? But I get so many customers that way. I love what you're saying that. I give my book all the time. I give my you book. You gave it to me. I give it to you. Yeah. I give my book everywhere. I give a book, I give a copy of the book. There's a cost to me for the book, but I give it to you. And then as I go to like bigger, bigger coaching clients or bigger speaking opportunities, just the other day, I put hardcover copy books, personalized letter to a couple of people who, who, who are looking for keynote speakers. Hey, here's who I am. Whether you hire me or not, here's what you know about me. Boom. You know what? It didn't work out this time. Doesn't mean it's not going to work out next time. Mm -hmm. And it's just that gift giving is awesome. Yeah. So with no expectations. Zero expectations. You have to have it because if you do, people read right through it yeah. right away. So, Ashley, as we're wrapping up, we are partnering together. Can you can you help me out understand what are we doing this fall working with your team? I'd love to share with the Catapulting Commission's family what you're doing. This is exclusively for your team, but I just want the Catapulting Commission's family to know there are ways to collaborate and partner with myself and anybody on the Catapulting Commission's team. I'm so excited. After reading your book, I think that our goal is to incorporate the book into our virtual book club. So everyone on our team will be reading the book, we'll be working through it, and then ideally have you come do a regional training for us where we do a goals workshop because, you know, I'm a big fan of your goal setting process, um, which is our hope. And so people will probably come from all over within our company just to hear you talk. And, you know, obviously we'll be covering Color Street things too, but we'll have you kind of like as our keynote speaker, which I'm really excited to be able to offer. Well, I'm excited that this opportunity is coming live. I'm Equally humbled, excited to spend time with the Color Street family. I love the goal setting. If you're listening to this and you have a company and you want a, a book club or you're like, hey, that's a great book, reach out directly to my team 100%. We'd love to see you and tell you how we can partner with your company for a book club. I have no problem coming to do a virtual keynote or a live keynote for the right uh or, you know, for the right arrangement, for the right virtual, for the right group. Um, I've done book clubs as small as six to eight employees, as large as six to 800. I am completely there to work with you. So I think that's an awesome opportunity. Thank you for having me. But what I love mo most about this, we're supporting the Bakersfield economy together, sure. right? Homegrown. Ashley, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Can we come back, let's say six months to a year, do this episode again, this time we'll have, you know, you said, you, can we do this with a drink? I have cocktails, no problem. Have, yeah, we'll cocktails, have a cocktail. Okay. We can have conversation. I made a joke. If Joe Rogan can do all kinds of crap on his show, 
I can do it on mine. You know, I believe you said smoking weed. I did say <laughs> I mean, we're not going to smoke weed, but Joe Rogan smokes weed on his show. I'm just calling you out. I appreciate it. There's zero, zero uh, fakeness here. 100% authenticity, right? Shot by Dane Media. Thanks for the support. You guys are doing great work. Powerhouse podcasting, 100%. Thanks for the studio. We rented this out. We are bringing more live guests to the Bakersfield studio, Bakersfield family. If you're listening to this and you have a guest who thinks it's a great recommendation, reach out directly to my team and we'll vet the guest out. If it's the right fit, we'd love to bring them on the show. Catapulted Commission's family, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I'll see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commission's podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commission's, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.